Good evening, friends and colleagues alike. It is March 5th, 2020, and you're listening to episode 181 of PSP Ugly. I am your somewhat altered host, Eric Graham Johnson. I was going to say your sleepy host is John Condon. <laughs> Time for naps. Time for <laughs> naps. Also with me, Thomas Wrightout. Hello. How are, so, how are you altered, I, and why are you altered? I made a little bit of a, of a mistake tonight, and this should be a very interesting show as a result, but I can, I wasn't feeling well this afternoon, and decided to take some medication, and on top of the medication, I decided to take some sleep aid, and I took the sleep aid about an hour ago, when I realized, damn it, <laughs> I gotta record a show tonight. Now, is this a California-specific sleep aid, like a strain of sleep aid we might have heard of? Uh, no, it's just a PM, uh, over, over-the-counter PM pills. I, I really have challenges with sleeping, um, and when I'm not feeling well, I'll I'll take some some aids to help me sleep and like. Like so, is that a, is that a story we can share? Uh, you know me, man. I'm an open book. I'll, I'll, especially in this intoxicated state, I'll pretty much share anything you want to share. <laughs> <laughs> you you shared with me earlier this week that you had a sleep study done. Did I think I got high score? Oh, you finally got that done. <laughs> I did. I did. And in the the lady, I'll, I'll try to remember the numbers right. Uh, exactly, but the lady our, called look me at back. Our, uh, Slack channel because you just shared it with. Me. Uh, yes. So, so the lady, the lady called me. <laughs> she goes, "Uh, yeah, Mr. Johnson, yeah, I'm calling with your results in the sleep study." And I'm like, okay, she goes, "Well, let me just put it to you like this: um, everybody has little bouts uh, of not breathing per hour when they sleep." So. Um, you know, I had to come home with this c- contraction that like measured all my breathing stuff as I slept and I turned it in and, and she was calling with the results. So she goes, if that happens, you know, up to five times in an hour, that's fine. That's, that's considered normal. If it happens six to 15 times, you know what? You have a mild case of sleep apnea. You, know, you should have it addressed. If it happens up to 30 times, that's getting pretty serious. I mean, that's a serious case of sleep apnea. We considered 31 to 50 times an hour to be what we call extreme sleep apnea. I'm like, okay, what did I, what did I clock in at? She goes, yeah, you clocked in at around 90 times an hour. And I'm like, what? She goes, 90 times your- an hour. Are you sure that's not just hibernation? <laughs> <laughs> she said, your longest episode of not breathing was 62 seconds. I'm like, well, wow, that math doesn't really work out. She goes, no, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> She's a, Mr. Johnson, I'm very concerned about you. <laughs> According to our charts, you died three times. <laughs> oh, so I was I was going for a highest score on the uh, sleep study. And, uh, you're like, you're like Beck, Beck's not beating me on this one, damn it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, uh, about my challenges with sleeping and how I won't share a room with anybody because of my my snoring and, and my you know, my, my night fits and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, you know, apparently it's pretty bad. I, I'm not sure if I'm not around for next couple of weeks, you'll know why. <laughs> but, um, cause you stopped breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, so, man. I mean, if I get this right, 
you could sleep underwater. <laughs> Apparently, you know, oxygen is optional for me uh, when I sleep. Um, you did say you're I immortal. <laughs> well, I I had a similar uh, interesting thing going on. I'm on vacation right now. Uh, oh. I'm taking care of my wife because she just had uh, surgery with the ultra cool Da Vinci bot. Oh, oh. Da Vinci. What's a Da Vinci bot? The Da Vinci about? is the one that you saw that like <laughs> sewed a grape back together and like does little tiny origami and stuff. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So, oh, is I'm, this what was this for her hand? No, no, this is a separate issue. Oh, uh, you, you, wife is so accident prone. Not that the authorities should investigate that. Or anything, I I'm just I know, I know. <laughs> the The insurance companies are starting to get uh, curious. But so I'm home for two weeks, just doing the thing, taking care of her, taking care of the kids, and. Uh, uh, it's it's been a very nice to not have work and. Can I ra- raise my hand for a second? I sure. Mean, aren't you always home? <laughs> I'm always working when I'm home. Like even okay. when I even when I get off work, I'm working. I, I'll take calls at eight o'clock or nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night because you um, have a big time difference with your home base. I know. I do, and I was the first really remote employee, but that was seven years ago. We now have three or four primarily remote employees, um, even to the point where they're overseas. So uh, we have employees that are working, that start working when I get off work, and I'm assisting them throughout the day, what have you. So, you know, I'm really, I've been, I've been burning uh, the candle at both ends for a while. And uh, just knowing that everyone knows I'm not coming to my computer when called mm. has has been a, a extraordinarily relieving over the last two days where it's just I'm not checking slack I'm not checking email I'm not working uh, and it's been very nice although I am working quite a bit because I'm doing all of the jobs my wife used to do and taking care of her as well she's not really walking much so it's it's a it's a dual purpose vacation slash medical leave Mm -hmm. um but she'll be much better in two days and i have until next monday off i I have i have two weeks off basically so i'm gonna have a nice uh bout of vacation just me time that That sounds sounds nice any any updates on your other potential thing uh nothing yet i did receive an email that said that things are being looked at and that i'll be contacted soon but uh no nothing nothing new from last week i don't think i don't think I, as far as as far as I can remember, <laughs> it's been that that specific strain that kills that part of your memory, right? It's been a long week since we last recorded. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but oh my god, it's just everything is happening all at once. With the Super Tuesday, of course, mm-hmm. big deal for me because I was you know voting in Super Tuesday. You guys did too, yeah. And Eric, uh, Eric, did you actually make it out? I know you were talking about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I got I got my vote out in there. No, I was asking Eric, he actually made it. Um, I did not, no, did not make it out. Well, it's okay. We got who we wanted. Yeah, okay. I, Biden pretty much had that one locked down. No, he got especially California. Here. Especially here, or, yeah. Or, uh, Bernie got California. Yep. Bernie got California? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh. And Colorado. But is it, it's like a two, two-person race now, right? Uh, unofficially, it's a two-person race. Um, there's... There is still a can. I think Klobuchar or somebody is still not saying that they're dropping out. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but everyone else has dropped out. It's basically Biden and Bernie. Um, mm. But I mean, we're only a quarter or only a quarter of the national votes are taken in so far. We've still got <clears throat> March 10th and then March 12th. And so it's, it's going to be a, another long week of political maneuvering. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's the coronavirus stuff. Coronavirus. Like I said, I wasn't feeling good earlier, and it wasn't uh, the coronavirus. It's funny. That, you. Uh, that thing is pissing me off right now. Go ahead. The coronavirus? Yeah. Why is that? My wife and I, 20-year anniversary this year, so we were trying to make plans to go on an international trip, which we haven't done since our, our honeymoon, and that was just a cruise to the Caribbean. So it's going to be our first mm-hmm. time really going overseas, and we wanted to go to Italy. So we start making all these plans for Italy, and just before we actually buy the tickets, yep, Italy's a no-go zone. Yeah, I actually saw a tweet today that said, I don't know if it's true, but it said that Italy is closing down all its sporting venues, so the, the teams are still going to play. But the fans are not going to be allowed to attend the sporting events for the yeah. next 30 days. Yeah, Japan's the same way. And uh, Italy just closed down all the uh, public schools and universities, too. That is, that's, in, that's crazy. And you, and you, well, were, you were talking about working, working remotely. Uh, Microsoft uh, even announced that they're, they're allowing their employees to work from home. I guess they're not typically a remote company. Right, but they're allowing their comp- their their people to work from home in hopes to kind of curve any issue with the coronavirus. Yeah, and we just got uh, two cases here in Colorado. You guys have a case in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. uh, apparently, a, an airport screener in LA was uh, diagnosed. And I, you know, there's there's so much bad information out there about this. I I saw somebody on Facebook saying, well, you know, why don't we worry about the flu the same way? The flu's killed 18,000 people this year. And so I ran the numbers for him. And if the flu had the same uh, rate of infection in the United States as, or if if the coronavirus had the same rate of infection in the United States as the flu, that would mean half a million deaths in two months. And it's like, People don't understand. Like people are freaking out, and they're buying all the toilet paper and rubbing alcohol they can find, but <laughs> they're not paying attention to the reality of what they need to do. Yep. Uh, um, but every conference is closed. Like every yeah, conference, Google I/O just announced that they're canceling Google, which is which is a huge conference for them. Google yeah. Google I/O is a massive conference, uh, one of the best in the business, actually. And they announced that they're they're canceling. Um, uh, and then uh, on, top of, world, on top of the coronavirus, on top of the coronavirus, Memphis, which is hosting PHP Tech in a couple months, got hit with tornadoes, killing. I mean, I, I don't know what the 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 the, the count 100. is up to now. Over it's up to a hundred. Yeah, over a hundred. Oh, wow, wow. So I'm I'm really worried whether or not that that conference is even going to happen at this stage. To be honest I, with you. Yeah, everything is up in there. It's very uh, people are rightfully scared and thankfully taking measures. Um, are you sure it's twenty? I'm seeing twenty five people as of thirty six. Yeah, I, I saw a hundred. That does seem if you're looking, I, I, I didn't see. I hadn't seen over twenty myself. So that's yeah. At least the, the few the few things I'm seeing is is twenty five right now. Okay, so yeah. it's been revised from 77 down to 20. It wasn't Memphis. It was Nashville, right? Nashville. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's not affected. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I, bad. Bad for, I mean, or, or, yeah, 25 lives, including five kids. Um, are tornadoes even common in that area? We were we were looking pretty hard oh, at yeah. moving to to uh, 
the Nashville, Memphis area for a while, and I don't remember coming across any of this information. It's the- uh, I went. I was in Knoxville, and they had uh, tornado alarms, so I don't think it's too uncommon. Oh, uh, uh, it does look like Tom. T- there is this piece of the article that says among the dead are at least five children in Putman County, which suffered the greatest human toll. At least 18 people died in the county and 88 were injured. So maybe that's where you're getting 100 from. Yeah, injured. that might be it. Well, okay. So everything's up in the air right now. I mean, if, you've, if you're if you signed up for a conference, you've got to keep your eyes on whether or not it's actually going to happen. Mm, yeah, for sure. And whether or not you actually want to go, I mean, yeah. airport airports sound like a horrible place to be right now. Yeah. Do do like working from home, that's for sure. I'm well, actually doing more of that myself. Interestingly enough, I, I was reading an article by Phil Sturgeon about remote work as a climate action. Is that uh, remote work is significantly impacts your car. Makes footprint. a lot of sense. You're not, you know, you're not driving every day. I mean, when I, when I had to go to an office... Um, which was probably the furthest distance from my house I would travel to on a regular basis. I had to do it every day, and that would be the only reason I would be driving that day would be to and from work. So without having to drive to work every day, I save a ton of gas, and I can only imagine what I save in what I'm producing. Time. <clears throat> the time that we save not Gosh. having to drive is... I don't know why. Because... I lost you guys. I can't hear you guys now because Siri took over my headphones. Perfect. <laughs> Those devices. I swear I feel like I should get rid of them, but they are so convenient. I, I love these headphones. They're noise canceling and they connect up to two devices. But for some reason, when my iPad takes over the headphones, it, they, it won't release them. So the iPad takes over the headphones and then it, it won't give it back to my laptop. Drives me nuts. Even if you... Well, you can turn the iPad off then, right? Or what about just turning right, Bluetooth, ha- Bluetooth off? Yeah, you have to turn Bluetooth off because if you close the iPad, it just assumes it just assumes you want the iPad closed and stays connected <laughs> with the headphones. Yeah. Oh. All right. Um. Anybody doing any coding this week? Anything fun to talk about? Been doing sprint ha- sprint planning. Yeah, Sorry, tell us about sprint planning, sprint man. Sprint planning. I, that doesn't sound like Diego Dev. John and I, well, uh, one of our I'm, clients, John and I were in the office uh, <laughs> together this week, and we were probably there for three, four hours and said, like, maybe five words to each other because he was in sprint planning all day long. Please really? explain. So our client uh, recently, early this year, decided they're going to start doing these six-week sprints, and the first one went pretty well, and they're going to keep doing it. But it is so time consuming. They are trying because they're trying to do such a big sprint six week. They they have a ton of tasks. They have three big features they want to add. And then getting 10 of us into a room trying to room the task as well as break it down into small tasks and estimate it is just so time. That was the other thing that surprised me is how big that team is now. I saw. On your screen, you guys are, look like you're doing a Zoom, or I'm not yeah. sure what the meeting thing was, but but everybody was sharing their cameras, and man, that, that team, and they're all developers? All these people developers? All but one. One is a project uh, product owner, so she's basically running the sprint and saying what, what the business wants. Mm. That seems like too many devs. That seems like you need a scrum master in there or something to disseminate. Yeah, probably. Would probably be a good That's... idea. But... 
so because of, because of the success, because of, yeah, because of the success that I feel we had on that first sprint, it's something I would like to introduce with some of our other clients. As far as like our our biggest client by far, we have the least amount of control over the projects we work on, and they seem to shotgun tickets like we want to work on this and that, and it's like it's just too much. There's no clear direction. There's no focus, and it's just nonstop work. Where the idea behind these six week sprints, you're you're highly focused on very specific tasks. At the end of that six weeks, there's a two week cooldown that you can pick up other tasks, work on something that is a little lighter, uh, possibly finish up anything you missed in the the first one, uh, bug fixes that type of thing, and prepare for the next six. But having that focus, I, to me, has been beneficial. Well, I, I could see how with the with the clients that would be really nice to have expectations for a period of time clearly laid out, yeah. so that <clears throat> so that they know that if they butt in with a feature request in the middle of a sprint, that it's going to interfere with all of the work that you've already laid out. Well, and one of the nice things about this project that John's referring to, it's the client that's running the sprint. Like we've tried to do something similar with other clients where we're we're trying to run the sprint and. Again, it, it was the same issue where the clients just decided they, they wanted to prioritize something different. It's like, well, wait, you know, we're, we're trying to focus on this one one thing. Well, no, you don't understand. We have to have this feature done now. <laughs> yeah. You know? that, that is definitely right. beneficial. And the other big thing is being working closely with a specific team of people where in the past, this client, everyone's kind of been on their own. It's like, okay, you're going to build this feature. Uh, someone else is going to build that feature, and it's just kind of you're on your own island for a period of time. You can ask for help and you know that thing, but to actually work together cohesively, it has been beneficial as well. There's a lot, lot more interaction. I thought it was pretty interesting the way you guys like like tasks aren't assigned. I mean, my understanding of it was that tasks aren't assigned; they're just put in a queue, and then people go in there and grab their task and yeah. or grab a task and start working on it. Yeah, I forget where they got they got a free ebook from i think Basecamp put it out that laid out how they do it so they're trying to mimic that to a point but the six weeks is broken down into four priority queues and you're you're free to pick any task you want but you should be sticking with the top priority that's not so you start with your your p1s or your first priorities if there's nothing in there you can really work on that your skill set is good at or you're blocked by something you can dip into p2 but you shouldn't go any further until p1 is finished so the first priority is Either the biggest task it should be uh, the the most concerning about getting done within that sprint time, or the most business opportunity. You know, the biggest bang for your buck. Get those done, and then work on other stuff for the rest of the time. But it it does lead to a lot of freedom of I can go in and pick the things that I'm I think I would be good at. Maybe it's a section of code I've touched before that I now get to enhance and make a uh, do a refactor so that I can build another feature on top of it. It's been good. Are you are you allowed to grab multiple tasks, or can you only, only grab one at a time? Uh, there's been no discussion on that. I think you. I think I had a bunch of tasks. Like I, I knew I was working on this section of a feature, even though we broke it down into a bunch of tasks. It was still going to be my thing, so I, I grabbed a bunch of them early on. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool when it works. Um, yeah. I, I, I it would be nice to have something more like that. Yeah, we we need to talk to our peeps about that about trying it but we that focus is the one i keep going back to i mean well and that's what i keep hearing i think that's one of the challenges we have a lot with clients is that focus it's you know they're they're having a clear articulated goal has been kind of a challenge on some of our projects and yeah um 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice. It'd be yeah. nice to come up with that formula. Yeah. And I got one more story before you tell your stunts. Before this call, I decided to do a little free Diego Dev work. Why not? Free? Yeah. Pro bono. <laughs> Pro bono. There's actually what did you do? so there's a a guy I I met in the my local Vons parking lot, the local grocery store, and he was walking oh. past he's walking past me a year a year ago. Got, that's he, I it's gonna make some snide comment because that's a weird way to start a story. Well, okay, I'm standing outside my car and I have an SD PHP license plate, so he saw that and ah. s- started talking to me, asking me more about it, and had a nice little conversation with him. He actually came to the office and met Eric and I a couple of times, and so. I keep thinking there's going to be some business there. And last year they, they hit me up and I'm like, Hey, we need this. Our SSL cert expired. Our previous developers no longer here. Can you help us? And it took me 10, 15 minutes. So I'm not going to charge them for that time. I want to show one that I understand AWS. I know how SSL search. So I, I feel like I'm showing expertise and when they actually need help, they're going to come to us and, and actually pay us. <clears throat> but that hasn't happened yet. And here we are seven months later and they're like, Oh, by the way, remember the SSL cert you did? Well, we need it on this other s- server as well. And and we'll pay you for your time. And I'm like, again, it's 10 minutes. I'm not, what am I going to charge you? Throw an SSL cert on a load balance. So I did that today. And then I'm, they kept saying, hey, it's still not working. I go and I look and it's like, oh, your node app died. Let me restart that. Hey, it's all working now. <laughs> like, all right. I really got to start clocking this and sending some sort of invoice. It sounds point. like you need a way to clock it. Like you need a way to handle one off 10 minute job. Yeah. A 10 minute job. Two hour minimum. That's, that's yeah. My, I, my I mean, in a normal circumstance, I would be in agreement. Like I'm going to build some sort of minimum. But again, I'm trying to woo this client into a bigger contract. At some. That's the goal. Do a little free work now. Hoping it pays off in the long run. All right, Thomas, first, Thomas, you got anything? Well, I actually haven't seen a lot about this. I only know about it because I was looking through some stuff on Twitter a couple days ago. But there's been an issue with Let's Encrypt. I'm not sure if you guys caught this. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I did. We, we, AWS has been sending out warning notifications and all sorts of fun stuff. You know how many were? You know how many domains were affected? Uh, what, 140,000? Uh, no, I'm talking about for our client because i know the client i work on 1650 domains oh my god they had her go and renew yeah uh i i don't know we we got the notifications because uh i guess aws was using let's encrypt to uh do their certs on the database servers their rds servers Mm -hmm. Uh, now that you mentioned i didn't even think about the uh didn't even occur to me the web servers i wonder if i have most of them set up to auto renew though so i'm wondering with the auto renew it, it typically checks every day if it needs to renew i was I slightly auto- off on my numbers uh it's three million forty eight thousand two hundred and eighty nine certificates are affected mm. um which is bad <laughs> that's a very well we're bad gonna find number. out tomorrow i guess right i mean it wasn't uh, today the, the last day today what yeah today was uh well, today was the update, the latest update. The revocation started yesterday, and today they've notified us that uh, 1.7 million have been replaced and revoked. There are a million whose status is unknown or not replaced, and a million were duplicates of other affected certificates. So that's, that's nuts. Do you know what the origin of this this issue is? I do no. not, and was actually very surprised to see it. Do you? Uh, I can read it. 
our certificate authority software, Boulder, checks for certificate authority A records at the time at the same time it validates a subscriber's control of a domain name. Most subscribers issue a certificate immediately after domain control validation, but we consider a validation good for 30 days. That means in some cases we need to check CAA records a second time just before issuance. Specifically, we have to check CAA within eight hours prior to issuance. So any domain name that was validated more than eight hours ago requires a rechecking. So it sounds like they weren't rechecking things when they were supposed to. Mm. Um, it doesn't sound like it was any kind of vulnerability that was taken advantage of or uh, a hack or anything like that. Um, there are laws that regulate how domain names or how, do, how domain certificates are managed. Um, there are rules as a certificate authority that they have to follow. And it sounds like they realized they had been breaking the rules. And in order to maintain their uh, authority, they have to revoke certificates. So mm. it's, it, it, it really, it looks like a red tape issue. Well, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of days who all gets impacted. I, I, I didn't even think about, uh, you think about the damn web servers now that you say that, John? I, I well, you would have gotten an email or however it's set up. That person would have gotten it. Yeah, it's true. You you would think, right? Yeah. So something to look at, but I don't think it's maybe really critical. concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah, unless you, you have to uh, actually register your your email is actually registered with with the certificate when you uh, when you request it. Yeah, but it's so easy to mm-hmm. overlook those emails too because you probably get a ton of them. Not you, but the the generic yeah. you. So it's easier just to archive, archive, archive. I'm done. The I, other I thing. Tell you, go ahead. Uh, one of my things I want to do on my time off is write, and my first article I want to write is about how Laravel does Semver, and I've been very fortunate because yesterday Laravel Seven was released. Laravel Seven was released. And boy, does it not follow Semver again. Why do you say that? I thought I thought we had determined that there was a backwards breaking change that nope that justified the seven. Nope. Um, if you read the the release notes uh, from Laravel News, they state clearly that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll quote this. Uh, We'd like to point out that starting with version six, Laravel now follows Semver and will release a major a new major version every six months. So that sentence on its own contradicts itself. Just by saying every six months is a new major version means it's not Semver. The time has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Semver doesn't care about time. Something can be 20 years old and still be version 0.12987. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, and I've looked into what has changed, and there are definitely packages that did not see backwards-breaking changes that have been upgraded to Laravel 7.0 and then 7.1. Um, I mean, to the point, but even even the Symphony core stuff that that the, yeah stuff uh, that's stuff that's not related to Symphony stuff like the cookie handler and uh, things like that it, it, to the point where the Illuminate cookies, which is the library you would reference if you were extending the cookie package for Laravel, seven point zero and seven point zero one have the same commit hash on the tag, <laughs> and that is obviously not correct. You know, if you've got the same commit hash, it can't be a new version. It's the same exact version, very literally. Um, I'm and I just, I, I just find it, I find it interesting that Laravel News has said, you know, now, now Laravel is Semver, and there's going to be a new version every six months because this idea of what Semver is is just not being properly communicated down the line. Mm. That developers are being told Semver is something that it is not. And the the big change in seven, the biggest change, is upgrading to Symphony five 
from four. I only see seven. I don't see a seven one. I just see seven. So you're looking at, yeah, you're looking at the framework, the Laravel slash Laravel release. You're right. I I am. I'm looking at the illuminate repository, which is the repository for referencing when you're developing a pack. Gotcha. You're absolutely right. In, in, in to that, I do know I saw, at least I saw seven, one, seven Oh one come out as well. Yeah. And I've, I've done Git comparisons and looked at what's actually different and there isn't a significant difference, uh, and definitely not a backwards breaking difference on some of these packages. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, the thing I noticed was that these, these individual component packages do not have their own test suites. They, mm-hmm. Laravel itself has a test suite as a framework, as a whole, but the individual components don't have their own test suites from what I've seen. Uh, and that's an issue to me as well, because a test suite is the way I would I would check if backwards compatibility broke or not. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth writing anything up over, but I get I get what you're saying. I mean, in a day they're going to manage it however they want to manage it. Uh, you know, there's there there are rules behind Simver, but they're not a they're not a strict you know, if you don't do it this way, the the version police are going to uh, come and get you. I mean, we've we even hear that with versions of PHP being released as well. That they're pretty loose with the whole adhering to Simver with PHP as well. So I don't know. Well, I can tell you that Spady, who runs a huge number of Laravel extension packages, tweeted out that he had updated a massive amount of his repositories to to support 7.0. And I can guarantee you most of that work was just changing the config JSON to no, 7 com- from 6. Config, uh, composer or Yeah, the composer, composer JSON. Yeah, yeah, probably. And that's a pain in the ass. That's something that shouldn't have to be done if there's not a breaking change. And if you're a package mm-hmm. maintainer, you don't want to have to change your package every six months because the number changes in one spot in one file. I mean... Mm-hmm. In this case, going from six to seven, the backwards changing, the backwards breaking change is composer. Mm. You know what I mean? That's it's irritating for the tens and thousands of packages that are on packages. Let alone, I have to do an upgrade on my system to seven point oh, and all of our internal packages have to support seven now. So all the unpublished mm. packages that people have to write for work have to get upgraded as well. Mm. It's just it's just an enormous pain in the ass, and it's totally unnecessary. And to have it on a six-month schedule where it's a guaranteed pain in the ass every six months is even more unnecessary. <laughs> the, the schedule thing, I, I think, is the only thing I take, take real exception with. Like you said, you shouldn't be scheduling shouldn't be scheduling major releases. And I don't know if that's what he's doing. I, I understand that's you, you mentioned uh, that's what Laravel News said, but I don't I don't think that's necessarily what he's doing because he made mention of that in Laracon last year. Now, the way he referenced it in Laracon was, hey, don't be surprised if I really, if we release six and then, you know, three months later we're, we're releasing seven because I had to, you know, there was some sort of backwards breaking change. I mean, he was kind of preparing people with more, cons- more, uh, rapid major releases. Well, the the official release notes state that February and August are the major version release date. Yeah, so every six major framework releases are released every six months about February and August. Yeah, that's the, that's the official. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's that. I, I take exception to that. And and I had even talked about, or we had talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it with other people. Is I would actually like to see him 
queue up some backwards breaking changes um, before doing a major release. Like, don't do a major release because you want to change one component that's going to, you know, quote unquote, be a backwards breaking change. Queue a couple of those bad boys up and, and then do a major release, like what a major release is supposed to be. Or just break something on purpose. Why not? Or there's there's always that. There's always yeah. that, oh, I didn't realize this was going to break anything. Sorry about that. I guess sure. it should have been a major upgrade. Just get in bed with Laravel Shift and have it all have the shift all ready to go before you even put the change uh, out there. J-Mac, has got to be loving life, man. This, first thing, <laughs> the, the, the major, I mean, the major upgrades are, are getting easier and easier. So then why is he loving life? That's how he's making <laughs> money. They're well, getting easier and easier because they're not major upgrades. Because... Because people just just go to shift now. I mean, people don't even think about it. And I have gotten, I've actually gotten lazy. So I'm working on a little side project that uh, even John doesn't know about. But I, I've been working on a little side project. And I just started it about a week ago, or a little over a week ago. E- either way, like you said, 7 just came out. So I just nude up another Laravel just another Laravel project and moved my controllers and stuff over. I didn't even try to do an in-place upgrade. I just moved up a new project, moved a little bit of codes I ha- code I had over, and uh, yeah, started fresh. But when do I get when do yeah, I get to I, learn about this project? I'll tell you about it tomorrow. It's not a big deal. It's just something something I've been wanting for a while, and uh, I just uh, I don't know. I, I've just been kind of hacking away at things. I'll tell you about it. It's, it's cool though. It's gonna have a cool domain. Okay. Um, but uh, man, I've been working on. Huh, I've been in like like a Groundhog Day nightmare for the last two weeks. <laughs> we have a uh, one of our clients. Uh, they they have um, a vendor they deal with that's very high level security. Like everybody who works in the environment, they have to take these tests and pass these tests and. John and I had to get fingerprinted, and I mean, it's like they're very, very protective uh, of of this environment. And it's it's not technically government, but it kind of is government. It's one of these kind of third party sort of things. Anyways, to do any work in this environment is is troublesome because you have to VPN into this environment. You can't just connect your tools. Just you know, pulling from Git isn't always simple. So. You VPN and, and you know, fortunately, I'm still pretty good with Vim, so um, you know, it's not not that bad for me to debug. And we had done, John and I had done a bunch of refactoring to the code base like months ago, and I've been trying to deploy and debug uh, issues with it. And every day, we kind of go around in circles where all of a sudden the network doesn't work at all. I mean, there's no network connectivity between my test environment and their test environment. And it's always the same thing. Well, your application's broken. No, I haven't touched the application. Well, you've got a firewall. No, I have no firewall. And as a matter of fact, the service is all yours. You control all that. And there's just the, this round and round and round like every day of, of nothing working and, and them having to, to just troubleshoot and... Oh man, it is exhausting. And, and the funny thing about it is, I've been on the other side of this argument where I've known it was the developer. <laughs> you know, like I used to run a, an ops group, um, and the developers would come to us and say, "Our application broke," 
And it's like, well, you just did a deployment. Could the application be broken? Nope, it works fine on my laptop. Well, shit, your laptop isn't anything. You know, <laughs> it's not production. It's not load balance. It's not this, it's not that. And nine times out of 10, it was always the application. And so I can appreciate where they're coming from, but I'm like, listen, I know networks. I know computers. I know all the excuses. And I'm telling you, the biggest defense I have is I'm not touching anything. I'm not changing anything. You know, it shouldn't stop working overnight. Oh, it's so frustrating. So this I time hate, it's the, this that. time it's their ops team telling you it's the developer, and you're like, no, I'm the developer. It's not me. <laughs> exactly. I hate not having control over the network. It, it feels you feel so crippled. It's like, it's not my stuff, and I'm pretty sure if you let me touch your system, I can figure it out. <laughs> they did They did finally admit that it was their firewall on their side, right? Well, yeah. So, on Monday, I literally would not hang up with them until we figured it out. <laughs> and we were on the call, with, I was on the call with them for over nine hours. When they finally conceded, hey, this was totally our fault, we're sorry, we apologize, we fixed it. And we confirmed it was fixed. It was like, holy crap, you know, I sent a request, they saw it, they sent a request, I saw it. Of course, it didn't work, hence the debugging I've been trying to do. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we're in meetings all day, so I, I didn't get a chance to call them. Um, something happened yesterday and I didn't get a chance to call. I, I was working with, uh, on another project yesterday and didn't get a chance to call him, call him this morning. And all of a sudden way back to square one where I can't, I can't even send them a request. So, so the, the whole cycle goes, I send them a request. They do some processing. They send me a response. That's the whole process. And typically me sending them a request isn't hasn't been the problem where that that piece has been working but they haven't been able to send me a response and then as of this morning i couldn't even send them a, re a request so we're like back to square one it's it's exhausting and of That's course they paid. don't they, they're not the client they're a vendor of the client but they're not the client and so the client is just getting frustrated you know i mean they they, they don't know who to be mad at i mean they kind of have a hint just based on history who, who, who's slowing down the process. Us. So I've been pretty fortunate. <laughs> I've been pretty fortunate with that. And the other good thing about it is this, this other group, I have to hand it to them. They're very, they're very diligent at, uh, logging emails of every call that comes in, what the discussion was about and what the resolution was. And that get, that actually gets sent to the client. So, I think that's what's been kind of saving my hide is that the client has seen like these constant updates of yes, Eric called today. We tried to, you know, we tried to debug our environment wasn't working. This was the cause. We figured it out. We fixed it. We're ready for you to debug again. That is nice. I, I, I would appreciate that too. I actually, yeah, I actually appreciate it a lot. It, it's, I, I wish I was more diligent about. Even up, updating tickets, I like like the same client has their own ticketing system that's outside the scope of the tools that Diego Dev uses, and I just despise logging into it and updating tickets because first thing I don't I don't like the system that much. It, it's a it's a pain in the ass, clunky legacy system, and then and then and then I'm lazy. That's the other <laughs> that's the other side of that coin. <laughs> to be honest. And well, yet we yet we expect all of our developers that work on it to log in and update their things. Absolutely. What the yeah. hell do we pay those guys for? That's the perks of being the boss. 
Um, let, we, let's say we make them do that. We make them do that. Stand up, Alice <laughs> Thomas. That I know you love every day. Oh and I'm God! Just, I'm just waiting for one of them to ask, "Why don't we do them?" <laughs> like because they, they suck. Well, I don't want to do well, them. Well, yeah. the the funny thing is, when we told them they had to do it, I went in and added myself so I could see what they go through. And the next day, I'm like, I never got a response from it. Eric's like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, I, re- I removed you. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, you know how stand up Alice works, Thomas. It, it sends a little notification saying, Hey, give me an update of what you did yesterday. Oh, yes. And uh, I really no, it's, should. It's I a should terrible that, so. interface. A. Well, it's Slack. What do you mean? I mean, no, I mean, like, uh, so we get a, a weekly stand up Alice that's like, What did you work on this week? What are you working on mm-hmm, next week? Mm-hmm. And so many, so many weeks I'm working on the same thing. So I'm just typing one word. And hitting enter and typing another word and or the same word and hitting enter and it's like thumbs up and it's not helpful at all for me. It's you know what I'm going to tell you something I, and I hate to admit this. Well, no, I don't hate to admit it. As the person using that information, it's extremely helpful for me because we only do weekly weekly meetings with with the with the dev team. Oh, we have it every and, morning. Yeah, well, we don't. Well, see, if you have it every morning, I don't know why you're doing Stand Up Alice. No, Stand Up Alice is the thing we have every oh, morning. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So we have we have Stand Up Alice every morning, and then we have a weekly call, which I don't I don't even bother the team with what they reported on Stand Up Alice. I just say, hey, I know she worked on this. I know she worked on that. The only time I bring it up is if, like, if I notice that they've been working on a ticket for, like, two or three days. I'm like, okay, you know, you seem stuck with this ticket. Is everything okay? But for me, it's very beneficial i wish stand up alice would actually give me the responses as a feed that i could then use like zapier or something or even write something to consume it with better because now i have to go into logs i have to look at everybody's individual and say okay they did this and i actually copy it over to another another uh form so when we're in our meeting it's easy for me to look at but if your boss is using it correctly it's very beneficial he might be. I just, I just hate it. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't like doing it, but I love having it done, you know, and seeing what everybody's doing. <laughs> and I noticed, I noticed when, uh, when we switched, when we made everybody employees, uh, we switched from this toggle, uh, time tracking system to Gusto, which is the platform we use. And we have a uh, we have a code for Gusto if you want to uh, use Gusto. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, Gusto has its own time tracking, and and I noticed like everybody but one or two developers stopped using Standard Palace, and it was kind of the same thing. It's like, oh well, with Toggle, we put our time towards the projects we were working on or the tickets we were working on, and Gusto is not as granular. So it, you know, it's kind of harder to remember, oh, what did I do yesterday? Whereas in Toggle, I, I would just copy and paste. And we're like, okay, that, that makes perfect sense. But could you, could you not? <laughs> could you, <laughs> could you please do? And, and, and I think the consensus among the developers were, okay, well, if you really want me to do standard ballast, then I'm just going to go back to using Toggle and copy, just copy my time from Toggle into Gusto, which. You know, also made sense as well. Except I was looking forward to getting rid of an expense of Toggle. Yeah. But, oh well. Toggle's, of all the things we use, I think Toggle's one of the cheaper services we use. Right, we got another ser- service that we're using that I'm paying for to pay one person, but whatever. Is he a Canadian? He is. <laughs> I think can- I know who it is. Those Canadians. <laughs> what uh-huh. service is that? Bill. Bill.com. 
Oh, oh, right, because we can't do that through Gusto. Oh, and just put them on PayPal. Uh, I, I <laughs> thought about it, but the, the fee... Actually, I don't think there's fees for him. There's fees for our other overseas developer. But because yeah. he has a U- U.S. address, I think it's free. Just tell him to move back here. Well, if if he wants doing, to keep his job. Yeah. Him, he doesn't need he doesn't need universal health care anymore. We're, we're, we'll offer him health care. You know, I mean, he <laughs> has to pay for it, of course, and it wouldn't be as good, but, you know, <laughs> it's health care. So going back, I mean, to, come on. What's what are the chances some p- pandemic virus is going to take over the world? I mean, seriously. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am so tired right now. Oh my god! I could tell. Well, going good. back to Laravel Seven, one of the anyway. things we had one of the things we had talked about was ZTTP, mm-hmm. yes. and which is not a I protocol. I don't know if you saw, but ZTTP was not included in Laravel 7. It absolutely was. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. No. He redid he it as HTTP. He redid it as HTTP. A, it is an all-new HTTP client that was contributed uh, to by Adam Wathen, Jason McCreary, and Taylor. So all three of them, now Adam Wathen being the one who had created ZTTP in the first place, all got together and created a fully functional HTTP client. So this this thing wraps almost all functionality of Guzzle and handles a huge amount of stuff in what is a much simpler interface. Uh, it is very nice. So it it includes a lot of the work that ZTTP did, um, but it is a, it appears to be a whole new thing. No, I, th- I think I think if you read, I mean, all, everything I read says that it's basically ZTTP with some added some new added functionality. Packed onto it. So well, I don't. It's. I don't think it's I disagree, some though. I, I think it's a you. large amount of new functionality. Uh, handling for bearer tokens and authentication, retries, file uploading, faking responses for testing, um, error handling, uh, header management, multi-part requests. Uh, lots and lots and lots of new functionality. I mean, the, just the documentation page is three times longer than the Z. So it's it's definitely a much much larger undertaking than ZT is. Mm-hmm. Well, still, it, it includes a HTTP client. We're all yes. happy. That wraps around Guzzle. So yeah, that we're all happy. Guzzle. Yeah. Um, the, the, other, the other big thing is there's been a, a blade tagging and component changes and custom eloquent casting. Uh, and I think we talked about Airlock a while ago. Mm-hmm. So that's included now. Uh, one of the interesting things for me is um, the fluent string operations. So there's been the string helper class for a while. But oh, man, str- I, I was watching a video on this one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the string helper class always returned a string, as you would expect. Um, in this case, though, now it returns a string object. So the fluent string operations means that string always returns a string object, which when cast to a string returns a string, but you can chain uh, string commands now. So you can say, this is a string of, and then a string of text, and then trim, replace, and then slugify. So you can perform multiple chain operations on a string now from the same line. Um, right. it, that's super nice. I know I'm going to be using that a ton, like a ton, a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why, I mean, why, why do you think you're going to be using it so much, though? Because string sanitization is one of the big jobs that I have. Like one of the things that I have to do whenever we get any new project is sanitizing string. Um, and we use, because because of our business, we use slugs for everything as well. So we have to sanitize the string, trim it, and then slug it, and that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. 
It's also a monolithic system. Wait, I don't think there, about that. That would be good use of that. Yeah. Uh, as a monolithic system, there are places where we have to put in kludges and say, oh, the this thing has to be updated in line. We can't update it in the database. So mm. do a string edit on it or stuff like that. It's just I, I know that I use the string class quite a bit. Yeah, I, I was actually watching uh, Jeffrey Way's uh video on the new blade syntax that you can use and I, now i have a uh, an internal dilemma because they they have this new uh syntax you can use and basically the way jeffrey way showed using it just kind of replaced the old way of doing blades where you were yielding content and yielding different different sections right it's like wow i really like this new approach but I don't know, I'm kind of worried to use it, and then, you know, A, developers not understanding what I'm doing, because it, although I think it looks better, and I think it's easier to read, I can see somebody who's well-versed in Blade and Blade Syntax looking at this saying, what's happening here? This doesn't make sense. And a lot of it comes in, the, the real power of it comes into the, with these components that, you know, you just drop, you just drop a new component in a component directory, and you can reference that component without, you know, it, it does that like a dynamic link to it. Where if, if you like, say you drop a component called alarm.blade.php, you can actually reference that in like a layout just by saying, you know, alarm. And it's, it's, it, it knows to go to the component directory and get that, get that slot. Um, it's really cool. I, I, again, this project I was working on, I just converted my main layout over to it. It's like, man, I like the way this looks. I like the way it feels, but I don't know. I'm worried about, I'm worried about a if it's going to stick around. B if this was really how it was meant to be used, because in reading the documentation, uh, you know, it doesn't really read like, hey, this is kind of a replacement for the existing blade syntax. It's just, oh, hey, if you want to use the syntax for slots and stuff, you can. But it wasn't really like the documentation doesn't really give you the feeling like. Oh, hey, just abandon that old way, old way of doing it and, and use this new method because it's, it's better or anything. Yeah, you have to follow Laracast to get that information. Just yeah. This, how's, this, how's this being done now by J-Way? And, <laughs> and you've been listening to Laravel Ugly. I'm your host, John Congdon. <laughs> John's just upset because he doesn't work on any Laravel projects. I Aww. do. I do, and I tried, I tried upgrading the one that I, writ, that I wrote last year. Uh and it crashed, so I don't know what happened. I'm sure you're probably well, many versions behind. You know, it'd be helpful with that. The new what? artisan test feature. Uh, well, it's just nice a, way to it's, crowbar another story in there. Thank you. Well, no, it's not another story. It's just another part of the 7.0 release. Um, I'm fading, fading. It's just. It's I know. A, it's a I was fancy to help wrap interface. It up, but... It's a fancy interface to a uh, uh, PHP unit. It just gives things a little more pretty output to the console. Um, and then, you know, besides that, little tweaks, little features, little optimizations. Apparently, routing is much faster, or, ca- or cached routing is much faster. Oh, I, I tell you what, I do love, I do love using Laravel framework. I mean, I, I've, I've never, never wavered much. Did you see what happened today? Um, so, in, in that new, uh, in the new Blade syntax. Uh, it has a way to do like this inline syntax for a component where you can just add add your HTML into a render um, method, right? And Jeffrey Way said, "Hey," on Twitter, basically said, "Hey, uh, what's his name? The guy who did, does LiveWire. We just had him. I mean, I am so foggy right now." Was it Carlos? 
uh, it was C. Um, Caporzio or something? Uh, Caleb Porzio. Caleb. He said, hey, Caleb, did you see this new feature in the blade syntax with inline syntax uh, where you can add, add the inline? This would be totally awesome in Livewire. And like an hour later, you know, he he replies, done. Like, you gotta love this fucking community, man. It's, puts us you know, puts us all to shame. Oh, I I I just I I hate every last one of them who just kick kick out these fantastic packages and have time to just like make enhancements on the fly. See, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to keep up so with the envious. mythical man month where I have ten lines of code a day and that's it. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, all right. I gotta all I right. gotta wrap up. Eric's I mean, more tired than John, so that means we have to go. I gotta go. Right. I can't remember things. We did have an OPS crash. Uh, if anybody happened to uh, catch back up, uh, looks like we have one person might have been caught, caught us. Don't know what's going on with OPS. I apologize. Um, obviously, out of my control. I did upgrade my Mac and upgrade the latest OPS. Hopefully, they figure it out and get it fixed. As always, we want to thank our Patreons. Uh, I don't know if this list is still current. I really should go through and update that as well. But um, if we do still have Patreons out there, <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> very much. We very much appreciate you. And I will be posting a, uh, a, a couple pictures on our Patreon page of the uh, Home Entertainment Center PC that I've finally finished and got working. I will start posting pictures of, of my dog, the office here. I should do that, too. I've got some great dog pictures. Okay, that's it. We're wrapping up episode 181, PHP Ugly. I am Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Keep it ugly.